Hey everyone, this is Joshua and welcome to another broadcast. Today we have round two. Uh, it's really a follow-up from yesterday's broadcast. Uh, we have some more of the quote-unquote patients at MSOP here in Minnesota, which is a shadow prison. It's a hospital disguised as a treatment facility uh, for sex offenders. And <laughs> It's not much of a treatment facility, as we have learned. If you've listened to any of the other broadcasts, um, you know, a lot of them have been very, very eye-opening. Yesterday, I was very blessed to speak with several members uh, from the Native American community, various Native American communities. And uh, to be honest, those are probably my favorite um, stories that I've been a part of of all of the different broadcasts that I've done, you know, hearing from them was special to me because there was so much hope and I, I admire anyone who can cling to their faith in, in the way that they apparently are um, while also having their religious liberties removed. Now the phone's about to ring here shortly and I believe Daniel and a few other guys that um, are familiar names I will be joining, but again, I don't have a lot of information. The communication is not the greatest thing in the world, but I am, you know, I feel privileged to be able to do this. I don't know why I was, you know, I get to be the one to help share these stories, but I'm grateful for it. Um, and it definitely helps me keep things in perspective because anytime I want to think that, you know, things are hard for me or challenging or, and I can get down uh, when, when <laughs> you know, it just feels like there's a challenge around every single corner. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to have people put things in perspective. And if these men can keep fighting and keep having hope, then, you know, I can too. And I hope that you experience the same thing. I really do. Because, I mean, look, it's not easy right now seems like all the people that are trying to do good in the world are the ones that are struggling the most and the ones that um, are not trying to do good or the ones that are pretending to do good <laughs> seem to be having all of the success. And, um, you know, that can be hard. It can be very discouraging. I know a lot of people that share, um, you know, a, a faith similar to mine or even people that are Christian, you know, they're struggling. But there's people that are, you know, Muslim and Buddhist and atheist. And, you know, a lot of people are struggling now. I don't think your religion necessarily determines whether or not you're doing good in the world or not. <laughs> um, but so that's why I threw atheist in that mix, because I think there are a lot of really good hearted people that want to make a difference in the world. And they're just it's, it's a struggle. So um, but, you know, the thing is. It's worth it. I know it's worth it. For every obstacle I've ever faced in my life, um, I've. It, it's amazing to be able um, to have those breakthroughs and those little reminders that, hey, this is worth it. It's worth it. And um, I've experienced that with my own life. It's been a long journey. Um, I made the mistake of, it's not a mistake. I only say that kidding, but you know, I have a big vision and a big dream and 
sometimes it feels so far away. Other times it feels like it's right there on the other, uh, the next step. Uh, but that's part of the journey is that internal battle. So uh, that said, um, these guys give me hope. I have hope for them because you know what? Some of them there don't have hope. Some of them, I mean, my God, 17 years. I think about my seven year journey to rehabilitate my life after all the crap that I did, all the evil and the mistakes, stupid decisions. And I think, okay, that's seven years that I haven't been in prison because I should have been in prison for five of those years. And uh, I haven't been, so I'm blessed there. Then when I talk to some of these guys, 17 years, 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, that some of these guys have been locked up with, in, in their eyes, or even the way these rules are set up, that they're supposed to have no chance to get out. But yet they still have hope. And that to me is inspiring. Here we go. Hello, this is a prepaid debit call from Calls are subject to monitoring and may be recorded. Your call will now be connected. Thank you for using GTL. Hey there. Hello. This is Joshua. How are you? I'm all right. I talked to you. Remember? Yeah, I do. I remember your voice. Dan and, and Russ wanted me to talk to you again today, and I think it was about, they wanted to talk about diagnosis again, so I have no problem talking about it. Is, is there any way you wanted to do this? No, we're we're right now, we're recording, and um, so, I mean, the really, the floor is yours, man. I don't, because I have no idea who it is that I, I, I have scheduled to speak to. I didn't, I, not that I ever planned questions, but... If I feel led to ask a question, I will, but I really just want to give you all the floor to share and talk about whatever you want. Okay, I understand. And then the other thing, I wanted to ask you a question, though. How do we promote your podcast? How do we go about doing that? Is that an appropriate question? Well, yeah, of course. I'm, I'm grateful for that. It's Everything is at my website, um, joshuatberglin.com. And um, everything's there. We distribute out from there. I self-host all my content. And uh, so everything's on my website. But I wanted to know because I got some folks that are going to want to tune in on that. Okay. And well, then, um, thank you. Yeah. Right. So thank you for that. And then um, so I'll just go ahead and I'll tell you basically the same thing what I was saying yesterday. I, it's interesting because today I just had a friend. His name is Roger Rob. He just went to his path today. And he's doing the exact same thing that I'm doing. He's saying, hey, look, I got a misdiagnosis and I'm being overdiagnosed just to keep me mind. And his attorney wouldn't ask the questions of the doctor and he wouldn't put in the motion to take on the disorder. And he basically got fired. Anyways, he fired his attorney today and the cap allowed it. So they're going to add, they're going to do a continuum to get him a different attorney because. Our attorneys are so bad, they have no idea how to cross-examine these doctors because it's just not their, it's not their field. They're legal, or they're into the, the law. They're not into psychiatry or psychology, nor do they even know how to go about questioning these doctors. And 
what's been going on here in Minnesota, and I told, like I said yesterday, the, 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 it's the proverbial snowball that gets kicked off the mountaintop. Everything works from the concept that you have to have a disorder. All disorders, well not all disorders, but personality disorders and paraphilic disorders are the two classifications that they like. Therapeutic disorders are, are, are paraphilia. There are things like pedophilia, sadism, broderism, and whatnot. And they have this one called other specified paraphilic disorder, and then they give usually they identify the paraphilia that they think that you have. And in most cases, what they've been doing with the gentleman here, they've been diagnosing with other specified paraphilic disorder, and then they call this thing non well, non-consent is a, it's not a workable paraphilia because what they're describing is something that's been rejected by all the writers for DSM-5 and the profession for over 30 years. Um, all DSM rejected that classification non-consent as being a workable paraphilia. And what they called it was, which was paraphilic course of uh, uh, disorder or paraphilic, uh, paraphilic origin disorder, which was, um, rapism and then they had a non-consent and they also say violence and they also like to say by history so these are the ways that they describe rapism and all rape is a crime so what they're doing is they're essentially saying look all rapists and everybody that's in prison they have this disorder but this is not it's rejected but yet in minnesota they continue to do it and the doctors are getting up on the stand and saying yes this is a viable disorder and the lawyers have no idea how to cross-examine and how to debunk it. So it carries at the end of the day. And the same thing goes with the personality disorders. They have different types of personality disorders, like antisocial personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder. And then they also have another one called other specified personality disorder. And basically what they do is they write down narcissistic traits or antisocial traits, or they'll write borderline personality disorder. So they'll describe one of the full blown personality disorders. So they'll say, you don't have it all the way, but you have it partially. And then they say, the magical wand that they use to say, it's linked to sexual harmful conduct, ergo, it is now a sexual disorder, which is not true. And if it was true, that would be good news because there was this dissertation out there in the field that said, hey, everybody, with antisocial personalities have a propensity to rape, or people with narcissistic personalities have a propensity to rape. Basically, they're a bunch of Donald Trump, you know? It doesn't work that way, though. Because personality disorders are not going to sexual harmful conduct yet. They continue to say that with all the gentlemen in here. And again, the lawyers don't know how to cross it up, they know how to debunk it or cross it up. So, these are the things that are happening here. And, and that's why I've been, well, I've been doing, I've been studying now this stuff for the last, well, for 30 years. I've been locked up for 30 years and I've been all been wondering, how is it that I get, how is it that I get bunk? Because I know I didn't, I don't have a disorder. And I know that many of the men here don't have a disorder. But that's how they do it. They say that one of the, they changed the DSM-5 because they knew that the language inside the previous DSM were all in, in, or they weren't written for legal or legal purposes. So what happened was they said if you have something that looks like it, all get a doctor to say that you have it, and that's what we've done.
But when they wrote DSM-5, because of all the, the misdiagnosis and all the, the way they weaponized all those DSMs, they wrote it and they said, no, there's a threshold for having a disorder. And that threshold is called what they call the impairment threshold of organization. Referred to by different things, called the rest impairment or disability threshold. So, when somebody out there that has a disorder, you know what it looks like. Think of the exorcist. They have something in them that robs them of their volition and they can't make up choices for themselves and they can't. They, they rob them of that. And, and that's what happens with these guys, people that have disorders. The thing is that sometimes people, they do things that are antisocial and they do things that are criminal. But that doesn't mean they have a disorder because they're making the conscious choice. They're not robbed of it. So that's what separates criminals from the people that are that are disordered. Disordered people can't put in prison because it would be illegal because it's not their fault. It's the sickness that's doing Criminal does it for his own selfishness or for basically because it's just people. And that there's a distinction, and that's what's going on with this whole civil commitment. Is that they're pretending that all these people that did all these things that were criminal, just because they look like the same thing that somebody who has a disorder does, that their behavior looks the same, they're saying, okay, we're just going to say now that your disorder is not your fault. So now we you locked up this way. And that, that's what they're doing here in Minnesota. And that's what makes this whole thing criminal. It's dangerous to do that because they can do this to anybody now. And the fact of the matter is, Commissioner of DHS has an army of about 25 different psychologists and family practitioners and social workers that say they know how to do a diagnosis, say that they are in accordance with the DSM-5 when they are. Nothing could be further from the truth. Because none of them, when I talk to them, that I've been talking to them now for 10 years, None of them know what the impairment concept is. None of them know what, what, what I'm talking about, what I, what's the threshold for getting a disorder. They can't tell you that because they don't know because they're not trained. Psychology is a huge field. No, I was agreeing with you because one of the things that I've pointed out before is that, you know, depending on the, the, the school of thought that you learn, because every school program they have a, um, a, a, the curriculum. So, you know, for instance, some people are really into Freud and his belief system, and then other people are into Carl Jung, but they're completely different philosophies that believe completely different ways. Therefore, they diagnose completely different. So it's almost not fair. And it's, it's not even like, a, I don't know if subjective is the right word, but are you guys able to ask for second opinions from outside sources? And when I get that, so that what happens is, is that when they have this huge field of psychology, they got people that are like some of them are experts when it comes to family therapy and for the, the, the Americans and everything, or what do they call that? Um, marriage and counseling and stuff. And they got others that are social workers, and they got other ones that know how to read. They got other ones that are good with risk. Mm. And that's what they they hire a bunch of people here that are really good with risk. But when it comes to diagnosis, when it comes to finding out if somebody has an impairment concept to legitimately quantify and validate a diagnosis, they're correct. They don't have any of those people in there. And that's why they, they don't like talking. 
to me and they don't want to, they don't have any tolerance for me. And they won't even, I don't even get an MHA. I don't have people giving me diagnosis. When I went to the CAP, they had this doctor, Linda Marshall, been getting tricked down saying in her report, that has been given the diagnosis of other specified personality disorder. Not even taking, not even giving it, just I've been given. And then when I asked her, who gave you this? And she can't give you an answer. And when I look at an MHA from the past, like from seven years ago, they'll say, well, this doctor did it. And I go, with check his methodology. What is he talking about? And then when I look at his report, he says, you have this crime, this crime, this crime. Therefore, you have this disorder. If that was the case, if all we had to do is look at somebody's criminal record to diagnose them, there would be no need for experts. The judge could do it himself right there on the bench. All he needs was DSM-5, but that's not what they do. Yes, there has to be an expert diagnosis. Now, here's what's interesting. In Minnesota, the legal standard for an expert is somebody that's got a doctorate in psychology. Now, like it goes back to what I said before, psychology is a key skill. What are they? What do they have their doctorate in? They don't have people that work here don't have a doctorate in diagnosis. They're all over the map, but not diagnosis. So, there, when you go into the courtroom and you say, "Would you agree that this is an expert?" You say, "Yes, it is." Once you say that, once your attorney stipulates that that person is an expert, you can attach their qualifications whether or not they're the expert when it comes to diagnosis. So it's very, very important that doctors or that lawyers challenge does not stipulate that people are not experts. And that's our biggest problem here in Edinburgh. We just shut this whole program down and all 800 people just fight their disorder or their diagnosis. They could win it just on that principle alone and we could shut the whole thing down. And that's where I'm at with the problem with this. That's what I've been trying to yell. But it's complicated because not only do you have to fight people here in the MSO, the clinic is here, you have to fight your attorney, you have to fight the state, you have to fight the judges, because everybody's been doing this blueprint for 30 years. They think it's right as brain. When mm-hmm. nothing is further from the truth. Wow. So there's um, there's an organization called Rethink, and it's a mental health organization. Have you guys heard of it? Rethink, all, all over their website, you might, might want to take a note if you're able to get some information on it or have someone on the outside that can help. Um, there are laws in place that guarantee your right for a second opinion. And so rethink is an organization that takes that on. Thank you for that information. I would like to have that, and then I would like to encourage everybody out there and to to help people to go after that diagnosis. And then, you know, like I I was saying yesterday, if a person had a diagnosis, it had a real legitimate disorder in this facility, he would know because MSOP is mandated by policy to write down every single time that that disorder is manifesting. If I have antisocial... You have one minute remaining. If I had, I'm doing stuff like that, I'm constantly breaking the rules. But the fact that I'm not doing that is proof that I have my, I am making conscious choices and I'm not, my religion is not getting robbed. If, 
Yes, sir. Thank you. Have a great day, man. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. That's one of the guys I loved yesterday. Like that guy. We'll be right back as soon as the next phone call happens. You know, this is completely random, but I'm sitting here because I pushed pause on a recording to go grab the wormwood. No, I'm not trying to trip, but I just did a broadcast about parasites uh, with a really cool doctor, a really great doctor. Anyway, we were talking about parasites and how they affect us and how they affect our mental health and our body. I mean, those little parasites, they steal all the nutrients out of food. They're terrible, and, and they're like little demons. So... That inspired me to go back and get wormwood. And if you eat a lot of pork, uh, fatty fatty food, even steaks, and you don't really know for sure if it's grass-fed or not, you, uh, you might want to check this out because a lot of people have parasites and have no clue. And I don't, you know, I don't represent this company or anything, but this product is legit. Uh, it's the Gaia Herbs Wormwood Black Walnut Supreme. And... Let's see what else, what's all in this. Black walnut extract, sweet wormwood, pomegranate freeze-dried. Uh, let's see, coptis root, don't know what that is really. Uh, more wormwood, clove, flower bud, and ginger root. I love this. And it takes, it took me, the last time I did this, took about two days for me to start expelling <laughs> parasites <laughs> and they are little boogers man let me tell you but this product is like nine bucks it's worth checking out and look it doesn't hurt anything to take can't it's not something you keep taking forever anyway but it's worth the money just to find out if you have parasites and if worst case scenario i i this i mean it gives you energy there's a lot of benefits to this product it's good for your libido, good for energy, it's good for your adrenal glands, it's good for your GI tract, it's fantastic. So, yeah, I don't make any money off selling this, but I do recommend this product, especially if you have parasites, and most of us do. You would be shocked. All right, we'll be back. Okay. Phone's ringing, let's do this. Call from Mark. a client at the most like secure treatment facility. To accept this free call, press zero. Call for subject to monitoring and may be recorded. Your call will now be connected. Thank you for using GTL. Hello, Mark. Yep. You're on the air. All right, all right, Joshua. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little little start to begin here. I came here three years ago. I originally was arrested for a marijuana girl operation, and um, and I was I received 17 months. And 
days before I was going to be released from Stillwater Prison, uh, no County came and grabbed me up and put me on a two-cat hold. Now I'm here. I'm doing a life sentence. Uh, my crime was 1984. I did three years back then. I haven't done anything since other than grow pot, which was illegal, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, since, since being here, I've been, I mean, within four months, I they wanted me to go and move into a cell with someone. I, I'm on a rescue team. So they wanted me to move into a cell with someone who stays with charcoal and everything else. And even the person I was moving in with said, no, that's for itself. For me denying to move in that cell, they put me in a place called HSA, the high security area, equivalent to segregation for 69 days. Being back there, being on medication and type 2 diabetic, every day, four times a day, I'm handcuffed. I have to get on my knees, take my hands out of the hatch, they handcuff me, attach a leash to it, open the door, put a belt on, and, and around my waist, if it's attached to the handcuff, and give me my medication, then put me back in the cell. Four times a day I dealt with this. And, and for 69 days. All because, and all because I wouldn't move into a cell that was bad for my health. Finally, finally, 69 days later, they let me out of that situation. But they tried violating me for not moving in the cell. But I only had 30 days parole left. The, the, the HRU, HRU board said, no, we're not violating. Now, this HSA is, is, is one of the worst places I've ever seen in my life. You get a spoon that's made out of paper, which means when you get spaghetti or lettuce, you can't obviously eat it with a paper spoon. It's, yeah. a, it's just a square piece of spoon, you fold it up. So they're forcing you to eat with your hands. Don't even get a water cup. You get a condiment cup from like McDonald's or ketchup. That's what you drink out of. It's biodegradable. So it only lasts 10 times. You only get one day. You're strip searched in and out. It's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. Super degrade. Okay, now we'll, now we'll go to um, uh, healthcare problem. Now, just, just recently, I broke, I fractured my ankle. Um, I went down to health services, told them to come drop my ankle. They looked at it and said, oh, you'll be okay. Drink some water, take some ibuprofen. A month goes by. I go down again. I'm complaining all the way, 100% pain. Can't walk on it. Finally, 70 days later, they x-ray it. Guess what? It's fractured. An ossification is starting to take place. This happened on a Friday. I had an x-ray. At 9 o'clock at night, they call me down to the med window. Give me a break. They guess what? You're in. That was it. Have they addressed it yet? No. They haven't addressed nothing yet. But during that time, my blood pressure was through the roof because of the pain. Do they address that? Nope. For my blood pressure being through the roof for the past year, I've been dealing with a retinal surgeon and I'm going blind in my right eye. That's hemorrhaging from having blood pressure reading 189 over 109. Oh. And it, it's killing me. They're killing me here. I've never seen anything like it. And they tell me to take ibuprofen and Tylenol which being high blood pressure and diabetic is bad for me. You know, I'm keeping a huge paper trail to go after, but it's, it's, there's so many battles here. We don't know which one to fight. It, this is my battle, healthcare. You know, I'm trying to make it out so I can be with my kids and maybe build another house or, or do that kind of stuff. But You have one minute remaining. I'll have to call back. Yes, sir. Okay. Thank you for using GTL. Medical malpractice.
The other thing too, those of you who have not listened to the past broadcast, um, there's people on there that are too obese to walk. Um, there's people in there that are amputees uh, that are not able to walk. They're in very unsafe wheelchairs. If you know anything about decubitus ulcers and bed sores, um, you know, I've heard some cases that that's happening and then that the risk of it is pretty dangerous. I mean, just to give you an idea, flap surgery, the last time I checked, which when I worked in that industry uh, in healthcare, $300,000. And there's like a 90% fail rate. It's calling back. Hello, this is a free call from a client at the most likely for treatment facility. To accept this free call, calls are subject to monitoring and may be recorded. Your call will now be connected. Thank you for using GTL. Okay, Jaffa, we're going to go back to HSA because some of the things I saw back there were very disturbing. I see people come in on stretchers that can look out the crack of the door that are right in front of me. And, and they've been, they have already been maced. They cut the clothes off these people while they're on the stretcher. And then they throw them, they roll them into the shower. Or they leave a naked in the room and scream all night long. And they're macing them through the food hatch. I've never seen anything like this in my life. The abuse. And one morning at 3 o'clock, I woke up and they made the guy through the food hatch because he wouldn't get back a cup. I mean, unbelievable. And made, Dan had me call some people. I've made testimonials on it. But when once they found out that I'm using the phone, they took the phone away from me. And I did get no personal mention. For 60 days, I had no contact with anybody. That's not even allowed in federal prison, let alone supposedly a treatment facility. Unbelievable. Oh, and right and right, right now, I went to a cardiologist a month ago, and he, he put me, he really regulated my blood pressure. Well, I slipped here, hurt my shoulder, and was not dealing with the pain. I mean, I don't care what that is. not seeking medical attention, and they haven't done nothing. So what they did is they called my cardiologist that his blood pressure up my blood pressure medicine and I told tell them that I've been saying no they did well, when I go there I'll see him but you don't up someone's blood pressure medicine because they're in pain to deal with the problem I fix it when I raise my blood pressure medicine it's uh it's like, like like I told you I'm going blind in my right eye it's irreversible every month I go in and get shot because my eye just keeps it at day and the last time I went a week ago and they're like, they go, it's getting worse. I go, I told the retinal surgeon, they're not monitoring my blood pressure. And he and he actually put it in paperwork that you're not supposed to be on ibuprofen or Tylenol. This plane, this place does not care. I've had proper medical my whole life, and it's unbelievable. And I can't even tell my kids because I don't want them to worry. You know, they're they're you know they're all in their twenties, and I don't want I don't want them to worry about this kind of stuff. You know, dad's fighting this battle on his own, and. It's unbelievable what I see is young kids, and, and young kids that maybe messed up when they're now, but they're, now they're trapped here for the rest of life, where people die once every month. I I don't know if anything could be done, but the people don't know about this place. I didn't know about it. I mean, we heard about it, so we was always called the forever. So we never knew that this place that even aware of. Hmm. And anybody, anybody never been in the military, I guarantee you they didn't fight for the violation of civil rights in the 
great place forever since. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And way back in the 70s, when when, when cults, people, young rich kids were getting involved in cults, the FBI had to deprogram them. A lot of these people here have deprogramming. People are sad. They don't know. They're not prepared to They're preparing to They're just keeping you at bay. And they all put it this way. They're all drinking the Kool-Aid. A lot of people. They all have false hopes. Dad, the only person that's doing this about are people like you and Wilson, the, the coalition, and, and hopefully this gets out. And people in uh, the Netherlands that are trying to talk to the Hague, but you know, mm-hmm. I'm old. Will I make it out of here? I have no idea if I'll ever make it out of here. And it's Minnesota, if, if anybody says Minnesota doesn't have a death penalty, they're lying because I'm sitting in it right now. Oh, God. Bro, they are celebrating. Oh, listen, I'll let you have the floor, man. Go ahead. I have more to say. We'll quit at another time. I'm trying to give you a breakdown of what I've been dealing with. I've been logging everything down since I've been here. And, you know, people people need to help me. People are sad. This is not a treatment facility. It is the microeconomics of Moose Lake, which created by, which created by legislators that do their intent was to violate human rights. They did. Amy Komajar to Arnie Carlson to everybody. This place is a mess. The research that Dan's done will prove that. And, and people need to get on board. It's unbelievable. I've never seen it. And you have a great day, Joshua. Thank you. You too, man. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for using GTL. I mean, at this at this point, I'm kind of surprised they're not doing experiments on them like the Nazis did. <laughs> of course, they still do those experiments now. They just do them on homeless people. Oh my God! They're celebrating pedophilia. Like, I mean, they're ingraining pedophilia in in our culture, like in pop culture. And whether it's obvious or not to people, it's there. I mean, I don't know how people can't see it. And these guys are locked up for not even that. Like some of these people have never been charged. Some of these people made a mistake 30 years ago. You know, and then in other cultures, you know, it's okay for a 13-year-old to marry a 21-year-old. One of the most famous basketball players on the planet, Hall of Famer, Carl Malone, got a, when he was 21, impregnated a 13-year-old. I wonder if this is Daniel. Hello, this is a prepaid debit call from Daniel. Ah, there's his voice. Calls are subject to monitoring and may be recorded. Your call will now be connected. Thank you for using GTL. Hello. Hello, my friend. I'm good, man. I'm good. You are hooked up to a mic, and the floor is yours. Uh, I want to say, Josh, I I love you, man. I love you. I love you. And 
I mean that, and a lot of guys do. I'm so, um, I just appreciate you know, that you do what you're doing. And, um, a lot of guys are very grateful. You know, the, the, the feeling that's kind of uh, circulating the facility right now is similar to the feelings that were happening uh, in, in the summer of 2021 when we went on protest. And a lot of guys had hope, and um, man, you know how important hope is. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I want to talk real quick about something specific here. Um, uh, back in 20, uh, let me see here. Uh, we began writing a newsletter in 2019, August 2019, called the Ocean Newsletter, which later became the Ocean Ripple Effect Newsletter. And we printed for a, a couple of years. I think we did about 13 or 14 um, regular newsletters, but then we would do special and just depending on what would happen in the facility, we wanted to report everything. So even if we didn't put it in the monthly newsletter, we'd have specials or we'd have different publications that uh, were all essentially the same thing, just exposing the corruption that we saw all around us every day. We can never keep up. I'm telling you, it's constant. It, it never stops. People die as a result. And it just goes on and on and on. And we see deaths all around us. And our friends to figure out what to do about it all the time. In February, as actually February 1st, 2021, 2022, uh, Russell Hatton and I were finishing up the Ocean uh, Black History Month 2022 special. And I want to read, I want to read it. I'm going to read this. It's, it's short. I'm going to read through it. Uh, the Ocean Black History Month 2022 special. Uh, this Black History Month, we give our respect to those who practice the First Amendment rights to end slavery and to bring awareness to institutional corruption. Speech is often provocative and challenging. That is why it is protected against censorship or punishment. We published our first social newsletter in August 2019 to expose the true purpose of this institute. Our efforts have come under attack, but this is to be expected. The events leading to the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863 were triggered by the publication of the Liberator. A newsletter, a newsletter published by William Lloyd Garrison. In his first issue in 1930, excuse me, 1831, Garrison wrote, I do not wish to think or to speak or to write with moderation. Tell a man whose house is on fire the fire to give a moderate alarm. The earth be not used moderation. I will not retreat a single inch. I will be heard. There was subsequently a major assault on the First Amendment rights of anyone with anti-slavery views. In Georgia, there was a bounty for anyone who could apprehend Garrison. Garrison published The Liberator every week without fail for 35 years until slavery was abolished. But if these efforts to quench the First Amendment were successful, there would be no black history month because this nation would be would still be a slave nation. The First Amendment is our protection against ignorance, intolerance, and injustice. In 1872, an Ohio man named Julius Tabor, with the help of some friends, got himself committed to the Bloomingdale Asylum in the, with the intent of finding evidence of the alleged abuses of inmates. His findings were published and as a result, 12 people were released. The chamber's investigation also led to the reorganization of the staff and administration of the institution and eventually to changes in lunacy laws. Chambers later wrote the book, A Mad World and Its People in 1876. None of this would be possible without the First Amendment. We want to thank our African-American community as well as other minority groups who have blazed the trail to show us what true America really looks like. We printed that, and on the same day, Russ and I were pulled into an office 
and told that we were to cease and desist all printing of all newsletters, including the Black History Month newsletter that I just read. It says nothing about MSOP. It says nothing about revolting or inciting. You heard it. That was word for word, the, the newsletter, and they said you can't print it. They wouldn't give us a reason. I'm bringing this up a year later because yesterday they had Black History Month here. Uh, Black History Month celebration. Uh, that was a very weak attendance because the whole thing was watered down because they had a white guy in charge of the Black History Month committee. He decided to work here. Make that make sense. Yeah, don't get it. Let me give you a little bit of background on this one. So, three weeks ago, a black friend of mine came to me and said, Dan, you wrote a song. I love it. My buddies love it. We all love it. We you play the song at Black Kids Month Celebration. I said, I'd be honored. Just give me a time and a, and a date and a place. I'm, I'm there. About a week later, another one of my black friends came and asked for another song that I wrote to be presented. So now I'm presenting two songs, handpicked by African-American friends of mine. And they say, we want you to do this in Black History Month. I've been asked to do things in the past. I get censored every time. I fight through the BS and I end up doing it. Sometimes, sometimes I don't. This time, uh, usually you gotta try to, they want you to get the lyrics of these songs approved by staff, but you know, we don't have to, we get away with not doing that, we'll do it because nine times out of 10, they just don't want to cooperate. So this time I sent it off and uh, it came back. Neither one was approved. And this was by a white guy telling me that I can't do it. And at one point, I asked the guy, why can't I do it? He said, well, there's this one line in one of your songs about a white man who gets his girl taken from him by a black man, and that's offensive. And I said, who is that offensive to? He said, well, he basically said, well, white people. <laughs> the white guys maybe you and I hell out of the way I let the black guys organize black history month what do you think <laughs> I mean, you know, I've been asked to do this and what you're telling me I can't am I the only one that's got a problem with the, with the white guy being in charge of black history month I'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> about his injuries 
he broke his, I don't know if he told you, but he broke his ankle. They didn't tell him about it. They, they finally x-rayed it after he pushed and pushed and pushed for weeks. He got to x-ray my ankle. You got to get it x-rayed. They finally did it. And they, they handed him a memo through the pill window that said your ankle's broken. They never fixed They never gave him a cast. They never gave him nothing for it. And now it's all messed up and he will be hobbling. I mean, I had another buddy that just happened to it. They cut his leg off over the same exact thing. Wow. And so the point is now they're saying that he might get put on what's called an IPP, um, individualized personal plan or something. I don't know crap they made up. And essentially what, if they do that, it's going to say he can only make so many grievances a week or a month or maybe none at all. And he won't be allowed to file grievances if they put him on something like this. They could just completely shut him up and he won't be able to complain about anything. I mean, they literally want you to be quiet and die slow like a subordinate nothing. That's what they're looking for. Wow. So, that's kind of what I wanted to cover today. Me personally. Um, I'd like to have a couple more guys call you, Joshua. Are you up for that? Of course. Awesome. Uh, yeah, been, uh, they've been you know, quite, quite the troopers, but you really have, because I know you've been getting back to that call. But <laughs> I appreciate you having that patience. No, it's all good, man. I didn't. Yesterday, I had no idea what to expect, and um, I didn't even know who was calling. And uh, it ended up going, wow, this is fun. This is like calling radio. This is great. <laughs> so <laughs> today I came prepared. I didn't. So <laughs> I was, I'm way more prepared for it th- today than I was yesterday. Well, man, I'm glad that I'm glad to hear your voice. And, uh, you know, I have I have a bunch of hope and I really love getting to speak uh, with the natives and hearing, I, I mean, the just hearing how their religious freedom has been infringed on, and I, I just, like that, it was, that was unsettling to me. Um, you know, I mean, all of your all stories are, but I, it was such a, yesterday was, you know, completely different than all of the other conversations that we've had from all of the different prisons, the conversations with you. I mean, I really did enjoy yesterday and, of course, you guys today have been great today too, because there's a lot of new stuff that you know I have not heard before. So I'm grateful for that. Uh, March seventh is a three day conference in Washington D.C., and it's like uh, all the organizations we've been working with. You know, a lot of people, this is you know, we all we all we all often say that this is the shadow person because a lot of people don't know about it. But yeah. on the flip side of that, there's kind of a almost like a hidden subculture of people that have come out of the woodwork the last 10 years or so. Um, Axol, Darstall, Kirstor, uh, Women Against Registry, Once Fallen, Adjust Future. Uh, there's all sorts of organizations that are anti-civil commitment and specifically anti-sex offender civil commitment and anti-sex offender registry. Uh, and all of those uh, different groups that are supposed to be meeting up uh, in Washington, D.C. for their first annual teamwork makes the dream work event. And we'll see how it goes, but that's at the big White House, so um, pretty excited to see how that unfolds. And I'm excited to work with some of those people and do what I can spread the word. 
Wow, man. I, I wish I could go and cover that. That would be cool. Um, another one, I'm sure. Um, and the second thing, real quick, we, Ocean came together, uh, about 23 of us wrote uh, a draft bill that we're hoping to put into the legislature next year. It's going through uh, a couple of committees. Um, you know, it went through the Ocean Committee, now it's going to go through the $100 million group. Uh, and then it'll go into the legislature hopefully next year and you know it's going to go through a lot of changes but you know we hope that the, the number one element that, that stays intact is abolishment we're just we're fighting to abolish the entire system that's part of why we're getting the word out now uh, you know I've been told that it's okay to, to say that we are drafting legislation I don't want to say too much more about mm-hmm. the ideas behind it I do, I do want to say this we are all for sexual assault prevention. It's, it's number one in this entire thing. They are stealing money from effective programs that protect women and children, and they're throwing it away at housing people that are not dangerous. That's what this whole thing is about. Mm. They are. It's, it's been proven to be non-effective in terms of preventing sexual violence and protecting the community. It doesn't work. That's a fact. So now we know that, and now we know we're wasting $100 million every year of taxpayer money getting thrown down the drain, and the most important thing is that there's people get hurt because of it. That's what, I don't, you know what, if we were spending $100 million to protect... You have one minute remaining. From sexual violence, I'd be all for it. But there's programs that are 88% effective and they're getting zero for the state. Oof. We could be saving so many lives. Oh, we could be saving so many lives. And we're throwing it away at something that just works. Yeah. So, thank you, brother. I love you. I love you. You're an inspiration, dude. Listen, you're an inspiration. You really are. I, I, when you get out on the other side of those walls, you're going to do amazing things in the world, bro. Yeah. I can't wait. No. Yeah, man. God bless you, bro. <laughs> See you, man. Bye. Thank you for using GTL. Mary, if, Mary, if you're listening, and I don't know if you are, but if you are, and I know you're proud of your son, but I'm going to say you should be proud of your son because that guy, man, I think I've had I don't know how many conversations I've had with Daniel at this point, but I mean, it's at least 20 and just, I don't know how he keeps doing me. He's just fighting. And like, when I talk to Daniel, I'm reminded that I get to fight and I get to keep going. I get to keep believing in what I'm believing for, believing for. You know, I feel blessed that I get to do this. I get to hear so many crazy stories from all walks of life. And sometimes it's the most, I don't know if unlikely is the word, but you know, I get to interview like uber successful people people that have been all over TV have been, I mean, interviewed somebody today that was 
she's a, a dame who's <laughs> been knighted like uh, celebrities and but it's people like Daniel people like Jeremiah Russell I mean just gosh I can't even all the all of the different stories that I've heard from these guys that are locked in these shadow prisons the most inspiring of all because they are literally given zero hope I have a hard time hearing from the you know the the people that say I have no hope I mean that's hard for me to hear and I think that's more to do with me than it is them because I remember those days of not having hope and God, it's a yucky feeling. But these guys. It's not even just them. It's their family, too. Talk to Mary. Francis. Jennifer. Some of these family members, they're just like, their fight is inspiring. I mean, I can't even imagine. Like, I remember the insecurity that was going through my head when, you know, going public about having HIV, why I'd been in jail six times, going public about being an abuser, being abused, any of the stuff, overdosing, failure, 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 disappointment, you know, and being public about it and and, 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 and and the whole time going, I'm just bringing shame to my family. And um, I just, I have a lot of respect for the family members that are fighting for their loved ones that are locked up in these shadow prisons because what that does is it, look, we live in a judgmental world. People are judgmental. You might as well be yourself because people are going to judge you anyway. So might as well be judge, judge on something that's true. Like, I I, I wish it didn't take so long for me to figure that out, to be judged. Like, I'm going to be judged no matter what. So I can spend all my time trying to fit in or I can just be myself. And at least I'm being judged on something that's true. So these family members, I just have respect for them because they make themselves a target of judgment when they do that. So I love you guys for that. I don't know this message. The rate for call from this facility is 5 cents per minute. As an example, a 10 minute call would cost 50 cents. What is this? You will have up to 15 minutes of talk time. To pay for just this call for a fee of $1.19 
plus the cost of the call, price six. To establish and fund an advanced pay prepaid phone account for future calls, what? which may include a transaction fee. Press five, we accept deposit amount. I don't know what that is. Okay. No idea what just happened there. I think that they wanted me to pay for the call. I think that's what was happening. I hope they call back because that <laughs> trying to hang up on them. Anyway, so I was saying that like I felt crappy. The shame that I brought on my family for the arrest and my some of my arrests made the newspaper. Some of them made multiple papers around the country. And I just remember thinking that my mom, like, how could she ever love me? It brought shame to their name. And, oh. Hello, this is a prepaid debit call from Hey, William, how are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you for calling. I want to hear what you feel led to share. The floor is yours. I have no, I don't have questions for you, but if I have one, I'll ask. But this is an opportunity for you to say hello to anyone you want, uh, but also share anything with your heart. I'd like to say hello to my mom and them out there, <laughs> my uh, three kids out there, their father, been locked up since 2007, my brothers and stuff. But uh, pretty much this case is uh, a scam, like it's just dressed up as a treatment facility where it's more built like a prison. So on outside, with the world outside looking in, like, like a Trying to have sex with the girl, so I'm like, what the hell? 
Right. Um, so I ended up in the risk because I had a first instance like that, which was the first one. I never had such a victimized two. They were just underage when I did it. Went home late and they accused, you know, playing around and stuff. But like no cases, the thing is, no sex was involved. It was offenses where, you know, somebody accused me something, you gotta go through the system and fight it. So that one I said eight months took a deal, so these two bars were kind of hooked you up. So the sex, you know, the one that the dude was two because when I was having a girl, I'm in, in the county, because I got arrested April 8, 2000, and I'm fighting, um, I'm fighting the case because I'm, I'm not I'm going to college I, I, I never had sex with this person or victimized like I said he accused him because the person herself then uh accused because like I said we, we was drinking and uh drunk and stuff like that and uh like I said but he never said I had sex with him so the boyfriend he's already mad so long story short I was just going through the uh motions and going through uh court I'm like now nah, I won't go to trial from 2000 April 2008, but like, next like two months in, my lawyer just kept telling me, hey, Mr. Cardinal, you know you ain't gonna have a color on your jury. I'm like, what they gonna think? I ain't do this crime. So I'm like, I'm still going to trial. Like, they trying to scare me. So I'm like, all right. And um, I go keep going. Then almost closer to the trial date, because they was like in the uh, recession around that time, around 2009. My guy locked up on some money for their budget. But the judge even stopped me. I told the lady to stop fighting. He's like, Mr. Cunard, you know you ain't gonna have people of color on your jury. I'm like, oh, shit, I know it's not time to sit down. Basically, I'm uh, SOL. If I go with the phone call, I end up taking the alpha piece. And I'm not admitting to this crime. But I know if I go to trial, dude, I'll be in 25 years. So, Along than I did my prison time, but even at the scene of the crime, they ain't had nothing to arrest me. So I was wrongfully committed. I mean, uh, arrested anyway because they just came. They like, hey, you was free to go anytime you want, but they never let me go. They all put a probation hold on me. I'm like, hey, I'll come down to the police station. Drop the bikes and stuff off. Like, oh no, just come down there and make your statement. I'm like, I made a statement. Yeah, y'all told me I was free to go. I ain't had no handcuffs, though. So they just held me uh, falsely. Yeah. So, didn't read me no rights or nothing. But this place, too, like I said, so I'm already mad about that, by the lack of the diversity of the biases of the justice system. Here, they got lack of diversity. They said black men are twice as, twice as likely to be civil committed than their white counterparts. You know, only white black man has ever received four discharge from MSOP since the institution opened in 1994. So it's been a total of 6% black people. So it's made up of 12% of African American people are targeted for commitment. So, but that's saying, like, when you bring up that lack of diversity, because they don't got no black staff here, that they is, they from Africa, not from our environment. So. You know, because me personally, I'm from New Orleans. I'm not even from this so I only came up there to raise my kids. That was easy. So, um, uh, let's see, uh, but yeah, we bring up the uh, diversity and then maybe them being racist because they start retaliating and can falsify these documents, even 
Yaras, you know, even the me being from the South trying to talk to them. They said, oh, you trying to cross that boundary, but so they're not really so, uh, dealing with us. So I'm like, then next thing you know, um, you got all type of write-ups and feedback from you holding, holding them accountable. So like, they try to silence your voice. But like, I was raised by the party, and that's like they got the wrong person where I stand up for our uh, oppression and uh, the down, you know, uh, like John Lewis caused us trouble. But other than that, it's frustrating. Like I said, the lack of transparency, they keep us away from like uh, video images where we can have tablets where our family could send us pictures. But you guys, people like uh, in the joint, like R. Kelly and even next door, DOC, making uh, albums. Oh, our need facility. Like I said, nobody's developed pictures no more. So in order for me to get pictures from my family way in New Orleans, they got to develop pictures and time. And we still living in snail mail days where we send checks and stuff like that. But uh, like I said, they do not have no representation for African-Americans here. So it's hard for them to understand us. And when we do something that's not a norm where we got to make them feel comfortable, they uh, get back at us. Next thing you know, um, they come, like I said, in these reports and documents how they want to make it like they put on here. Like I said, I know for a fact I never had sex with nobody where I was the person I victimized where I was supposed to rape somebody. There was an accusation that got injured. Like I said, you give up hope um, and want to fight the system to accept you know, giving them ammunition. So, but it's frustrating though. Like I said, big, like I said, I had to see a black person is like seeing a unicorn. They come in here, but they don't last that long because among the coworkers, they get mistreated. They call the word or some clients call the word. Like I said, you outnumber them. So uh, yeah, so the staff here, they got some cool out all of them, but they just doing the job. But sometimes. Uh, I need somebody who understands me for me instead of me turning to yes, up, I'll make you feel comfortable. Let me channel you through it. That's what certain black people got to do to get out of here. And I don't think that's the real beat treatment if you think I belong here, which I feel I'm personally don't because I'm not thinking of harming anybody out there in the world. I'm a father, got three beautiful kids, two sons and a daughter, and I want to all get out there and see them. So, and it ain't, and that's what it makes because even being accused, well, I'm like, it would be to that mind of being accused of But I said, I know for no person that I never had no type of penetration or penile uh, penetration none of the people that I was victimized. And, uh, my first decision to even ask the people about it because I was in a deal and some guys called because some dude the been there for some... Uh, Chopping that nation, so I was like, nah, my, my victim was a thought, so they ended up calling the girl, KP, and she was like, nah, nothing happened. Such a good guy. Uh, wow. uh, don't do nothing to him when, when I was, which I was in worry, so I ended up having to fight a guy in the jail for false accusation. So, uh, but uh, then a guy, he was part of my circuit, he was like, damn, uh, Canard, uh, she sounded like she liked to so victim by somebody. Nobody would pick up with something that happened to prove that part of the 
Like I said, the justice system is just crazy, though. So, me, and I've been, since I've been locked up trying to go to the project, the ACL, I wrote Obama when he was in office. I wrote President Biden, so I'm still fighting by innocence, but like I said, you know how that goes. Um, I'm not rich, I don't got no money, so. But I'm gonna come up with like this long book, long, long for this, cause uh, uh, arrest ain't too convicted, cause like I said, they, they didn't even let me go at the, the crime. I thought they told me I was in the same under arrest, cause they said when I ain't do nothing, so. They read no rights. I was intoxicated when they were taking my statement. Then they, after they took me, they made me sober up for a while before they took the judge to make it seem like I was sober enough to have given the first thing. Oh. Put all this yeah, it's crazy. Hey, let me ask you something. Being, being, ba- I mean, literally, maybe the only African American that's in there. I mean, there's the percentages. Basically, you're you are definitely in the minority there, and and you and the way that you've been treated, the way that you see other people treated, which I mean, it's not like anyone's getting a whole lot of special treatment there. But how is that? How does that make you feel? Like, I mean, again, you're you're kind of you're isolated in more ways that you're isolated in ways that other people there are not. How does that make you feel? I took introduction to psychology and they said something like how opposites don't attack with people to their own kind. So I don't look like them. And you know, I don't look like the grandson, nobody else they uh who they might be growing up, they father or they they grandfather. So when they the other kind who look like them, they go to them and be working with them to get out or give them their side passes, but look at different when you try to talk. I'm like, you're supposed to be a therapist, you know, sometimes in your body. Like I said, but I don't got no representation of black people here because literally it might sound stupid to some, but I was in group talking, giving somebody feedback, trying to help. You know, I just talk slang sometimes. I'm like, yeah, I can get it. <laughs> yeah. So another therapist is talking about feelings. I'm like, what the fuck? I got to say it. Like, no, I was saying I understand. But he explained it to me. So the fast forward, you know, yeah. I'm having a black condition and I'm working for a while. Like I said, they don't last long. There's still a couple of black people come through here, but they end up quitting. But like I said, I'm getting invited to the Thanksgiving dinner the other co workers doing. So, uh, so it was a uh, facilitator named Felicia. And I'm like, yeah, Felicia, I'm glad you work here, man. I'm talking about this, like, the best thing. I'm, I'm there, it's there. I'm about to uh, cheer up. So it's like, going to work. She's like, all right, I'll see you. I'm like, what? I'm like, so. Yeah, I'm big and I'm like, all right, so just the simple stuff like that where people talk and understand how talking illegal. People here do not understand it. They want you to be, oh, yes, come on, uh, this is fabricating. You have one minute remaining. And he said, like, it's like the movie, get out. Because look back, there's no act back. That's what they're trying to turn up. And offer the us to get out. So they'll change your brain. You ain't gonna be you no more once you get out of here. So 
and even just the black history, I try to put a black history event together, which I had to do twice, they used to for obstacles in my way, but like I got in school, put myself in, it turned out great, but they had all types of stuff, they were trying to sabotage, uh, not trying to allow a person to get what's going to make the uh, administration feel comfortable. I'm like, nah, they, we're trying to educate down to understand us. They try to sabotage down. It was frustrating. We can't but like I said, God will went through. But it's all my time, though. Uh, I don't know if you in the future and stuff because that calls, but I got to call my uh, kid for a birthday. The next time you call me, I'll accept the click call. Yeah. Oh, man, I didn't get that out. That gummit. See, it's different for me, I would think. Because I would be excited if I walked into a place and I was the minority. I'm wired that way. That said, sometimes that, you know, depending on the crowd, may not be the safest idea. But the way that I'm wired, um, you know, I'm typically drawn to people that are look different than me. I think white people are boring most of the time. I mean, I'm not racist. I'm just saying. Like, I like, you know, culture. and White people have culture? I don't even know. And I'm not a white apologist either. It just, like, I, I, I'm trying to put myself in his shoes. And the difference is, I think, is that, you know, African-Americans have been the minority for a long time and they've dealt with a lot of things, at least in my lifetime, that I never have had to. And of course, the, the history that I know that's actually true, like, I, I would imagine that that's gotta suck for him. Because it is, we are different culturally. Again, white people don't really have a culture. We, we steal it from black people. We stole rock and roll. We stole the blues. We stole fashion. We stole rap. We steal everything, I think. That's pretty much what we do. We steal countries, land. We steal countries, resources. Of course, I know who's really pulling those strings, but I'm not going to say that one out loud. I would imagine that that is very challenging for him and awkward because half the people in that room probably have no clue what it's like to be him. And I'm sure that, you know, that, that can happen interchangeably with the Native Americans, but the Native Americans have a bigger representation there. But even the, they culturally are a little bit different. I don't think that all tribe rules laws traditions are the same i mean they're kind of similar but i wouldn't imagine that they're exact man try to put myself in other people's shoes as much as possible and um i mean i find that to be the easiest way to have compassion compassion is something i've learned um, because I, you know, and empathy and all those things, because I had to learn all that as part of my healing, part of growing, learning all of that 
helped me learn to love and, you know, love myself, love others, you know, started with loving my wife and loving our two kids. And through that, I've been able to learn how to love other people, like genuinely love them, not, you know, hey, I love you, buddy. Like, I love Daniel. You know, we've never met in person, but I mean, my goodness, I can't, I, I, all of the, we've had so many, all of our phone calls are typically in 15 minute increments. <laughs> but every, so every conversation is meaningful and it matters. We have another call. Hello, this is a free call from a client in the most likely treatment of To accept this free call, press zero. To refuse this free call, calls are subject to monitoring and may be recorded. Your call will now be connected. Thank you for using GTL. Hello. Did you say your name was Yo? Oh, my name is Rod. <laughs> Did you just say Yo? Yeah, yeah. When I first got that as a reference to so people who I call, who I know that know me, would just know that it's me. I love that. Oh, perfect. I love it. Okay. Well, listen, man, the floor is yours. Say hi to anyone you want and share whatever's on your heart. Well, no, I got uh, my good buddy Dan Wilson, and uh, there's a couple of pieces that I would just like to simply read, and I guess we can go from there. Perfect. The first thing is, first thing is uh, black men are twice as likely to get civilly committed than their white counterparts, and only one black man has ever received full discharge from MSO. Minnesota is made up of 6% black people. MSOP is made up of 12% black people. Talk about your experience here. So my experience here, at first, it was um, it was questionable. I really didn't know what was going on. I knew that I was being petitioned for civil commitment under a medical approach. Come to find out they changed variances here, and now it's a treatment approach, more specifically a psychoeducational approach that goes against the medical model. Um, we're civilly committed um, to aspects that are upheld in Minnesota court, uh, dangerousness, and then also um, currently the taking of a mental disorder. That part's not being achieved, so individuals here, pretty much about 90% of the clients don't have a current presentation of their uh, applied mental disorder in, in any um, So on January 3rd, uh, a, group of a group of individuals got together and wore and MSOP. This my, uh, with that, I got off work at 820. I went to my unit one after walking back to the kitchen, I went to my room. I figured I had time until count, so I went out to the computer to file and fill out a form uh, GA request application for assistance my county. Going to the staff desk to retrieve the application, being printed off of the computer. And um, when I asked um, SBL, which is the uh, council, 
sent the leg horse and said, you can go to your room because of the strict rules. Calmly stated, you are not going to infringe on my constitutional rights. Count was called, so I went to my room anyway. Once count cleared, I put my headphones on and left my room. It closed wider doors, which is pretty much just outside of the unit. I was approached by um, three council arrow. Um, I could not hear what she was saying because I had my headphones on, but I assumed something happened where they closed off the hall way for panting over by the channel. So I went around about it. I went to go outside. And uh, once, I got the, once I got to the main door for the yard, uh, it was locked. So I turned around and there, uh, and stated that I could take her off for every time I would receive the yard, which is basically a behavior expectation report, and then there's a catch. You have one minute remaining. Yeah. Um, I said, okay, that is fine, I left. I made it by the mail room door and was picked up by staff to come over. They basically said that I had to take the shirt off or I was going to be placed in HSA. I said, not going to infringe on my rights. I went and sat down by the wall and um, placed my palm face up and took me to HSA. They cut my clothes off my body. They groped me um, about six different times. And they left me on the cold, hard floor. Left me for about four hours. Brought back to my unit. I lost my job. I lost a uh, press council member. Uh, all for wearing a t-shirt. Uh, do you mind if I call back? Yeah, absolutely, man. I don't mind at all. All right, Thank you. All right man. Thank you for using GTL. I don't, I don't even know what to say. Like, every the more stories like this I hear, the more I'm reminded of how fortunate I am to not be in prison. Alright, he's back. Hello, this is a free call from Yo. <laughs> Calls are subject to monitoring and may be recorded. Your call will now be connected. Thank you for using GTL. Yo. Yo. <laughs> Continue, my friend. Yeah, so um so then after all of that, like I said, I lost my I lost my job. I lost my job. I lost um, the Crest Council. I received R three for ten days, which is basically restricted to my role, except for ten minutes on top of the hour for each hour. Um, thirty minutes for hygiene. I can go and get meals for the town hall. So that's pretty much it. Uh, then there was also uh, repercussions uh, from from uh, my group, when I went to my group and I expressed how I felt and I told each person in that group we all have a civil duty as Americans. Whether we know it or not, we took an oath to uphold that constitution, democracy. We cherished it. We earned it. Our forefathers earned it. And uh, they kept trying to ridicule me and say that I was doing things wrong and I didn't have empathy for anybody and I just couldn't believe how Brent wants to. Here are. I believe that is a big problem, a huge 
problem with your black community and it's our own doing society the acceptable norm is greed over everything else most people would expect to do or expect to get something to do anything and that's the problem also a lot of people here have lost hope there's not there's there's not hope because they've done the program any approach is, is, is without merit because the people who run this place are corrupt to a point where it's not just viable why they keep people here here i'm dangerous here i abuse society's trust i understand that but there's a thing called rehabilitation and that rehabilitation is one of the aspects for going to prison here in the state of minnesota when i went to prison i became rehabilitated i understood and recognized that i have an identity i'm not just black i have i have a culture i have a nationality i have a religion and those aspects allow a person to recognize and acknowledge their higher self each person has a lower self and a higher self mm. those are all counterparts of my higher self the lower the lower self of me the drug sexual offense is any crime that i have committed Recognizing the lower self allows you to appreciate and attend to your higher self. And I achieve that. I know that I'm worth more than just drugs, selling drugs, offending against hurting. I know that. I've recognized my people. And to no, to no prevail, this place will not let me out. I can talk to my blue on the face. The disorders that they have attached to me are based off of... Uh, Uh, static factors and um, historic factors. There's no current patient that I develop one here that justifies them still applying that disorder to my name, which binds my body to them as they'll be. And it's unfortunate because eventually I'm just a person who has a criminal record, more specifically, a person with a criminal record um, abusing people sexually. So society's painted painted pictures through media and propaganda that sex offending is unbelievably bad and there's no hope for them and that's not true because I am the proof of that. And what happens when you have congested material and you feed that to an entire population? You have one minute remaining. Entire civilization. You get the concepts where hate and fear and what that does is it causes people to do harsh things and, uh, things out of impulse that's as funny as that is and that's why you got places like this it's unfortunate there's value here because the treatment of the material they use is valuable but the way it's being administered is completely illegal and unbelievably wrong and I don't support it and I wish that we could be free Well, man, I'm going to do my part to help get this message out to all that will listen. I'm rooting for you. I love your way of being. I love your attitude. I love your mindset. And uh, I'm rooting for you, man. I really am. Yeah. Do you have any last words? Amen, bro. Amen. All right. I'm praying for you. And um, I. I don't know if 
I don't know if anyone else is calling. Probably should have asked, but I like his attitude. And he gets it. He didn't make excuses. I just thought he was honest. I, I, I appreciate that. I'm rooting for him too. Hello. Hi, Robert. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, just talking to Mr. Wilson, Dan Wilson, Wilson, and he gave me his number, good call, and um, ready to roll whenever you're ready. Well, you're you are. We're recording, and the floor is yours. Uh, you can say hi to whoever you want. Uh, the, I mean, literally, you just share what's on your heart. Say hi to who you want. Say whatever you feel led to. Uh, so I have no 
No, go ahead. I'm just I'm, I... okay. And just uh, I've got like a little breakdown of treatment curriculum. This was oh, uh, I printed this off in 2020. So as of then, uh, I've got approximately ten psychoeducational modules here. I've got over 846 hours of psychoeducational modules. Those modules are designed to mitigate dynamic risk factors. So that's all you can do with psychoeducational. And looking at reflecting where you were psychologically, mentally at the time of the test. What here was our work, uh, dynamic thing, relationship, stability, uh, or stress, or group one, drugs, alcohol, all those type of things that make sense to me, neuroplasticity, to make new channels, new ways of thinking to, to reflect back, to give, to solve those problems here in the present and do something different in the present. And in that way, I can kind of speak to what the future looks like. In my understanding, I'm here for current observable behavior. So if any of those diagnoses uh, are presenting themselves now, they are not. I mean, so there's no control at all times. I don't fight. Uh, really, I don't break any rules. This place is more primitive uh, than it is um, forensic, a forensic treatment setting. From the time I wake up in the AM, I got to worry. Am I doing anything? That's a rule of practice. Am I getting too many butters from the town hall? Um, am I saying things that are misperceived uh, in context and conversation that could be deemed a boundary violation? So it's went beyond treatment into what is your punitive and preventative detention. Combined MSOP programming hours, I've, this is dated October 14, 2020, we're in 2023 now. At that time, 3,800 people telling hours. I think there's no more taxpayers are paying for all of this. At this point, it's detrimental to my site because it's having an adverse effect. Uh, I think 
going after mental football being around certain clinical staff here. And I get the calls and at one time, um, back in 2016, 2017, mental stress and hopelessness. Um, like where it's taking a module, there are 34, and I'm taking those over and over so many times, I'm getting like four to eight. It's a prep play repeat, which they're doing with it now. Move on along to this. Since I've been here, I had 16 different therapists. Average of probably 18 months per therapist. They, they really don't care if not me, it's just staff availability, same positions, they stratify, they come up to higher positions in here. It's all about money. Just leave if they come back. Move to a different unit, we get a different therapist. They're not really qualified to do specific therapy because the place is not. Uh, certified, it's not recognized as a, uh, let's say, a certified sex uh, program by the APA, um, American Psychiatric Association. They're not even part of it. These people here are considered facilitators. Um, I have a GI score, they're like educational scores where they can test my reading, writing, comprehension 12.9 plus, some of them are 13.0. I from background. I'm a welder by trade, four and a half years. I'm certified through Century College White Bear, Minnesota. I'm a carpenter. I'm an architectural draftsman, two levels. Uh, my, ah, uh, what's that? My uh, IQ, is where I'm looking for. I'm rambling. It's somewhere I don't even know. They don't even know for sure. Um, I'm African American. So from their account with their IQ test, Somewhere around 105, I'm in the uh, average upper range of the average on IQ test. I think, um, relatively for my demographic being African American from North Minneapolis, I would think it'd be more than that, you know, uh, more pliable than most people. They come from where I come from. It's easier for me to gainfully employ for the, you know, going to school and work and things like that. Taking psychology, sociology, fine arts, political science—I am not mentally ill. I have suffered from uh, a sexual diagnosis, and I can't find my way out of it. Like as a year, definitely. Um, but yes, I had a pretty nice uh, educational background. I could function in society and compete in society, thrive, uh, just like anyone else would. My last felony. Big was um, 2003, <laughs> 20 years ago. Uh, so then they see the thing called on DSM 5 Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Illnesses, uh, GAF score 70, that's really high global area of function, what GAF means. Uh, some of the psychologists here have an 80, I have a 70, uh, right under them, a 70 function. Um, this environment is allowing me to thrive. It said that it was fearful or the thing that I couldn't be compensated in a while being in this type of setting and not able to thrive and get out and do things that I'm trying to do um, academically and through vocational colleges. So I'm coming through these papers as I go. If there's anything else that I may have missed. Um, so yeah, uh, diagnostic criteria, I can have it here. Uh, clarified definition of therapeutic. They're clear specifiable 
sexual gratification that must be evidence of a pattern of arousal and response to the demon mode gratification that is reoccurring and intense and occurs over a period of at least six months. Most of the guys here do not meet that criteria. I certainly do not, and I can speak for, I would say, 95% of the population here do not meet that criteria. Uh, we quoted law, like I said, we're in the Eighth Circuit, and of note is John uh, Sullivan claiming for the government of the United States of America. It was decided uh, the High Court of Justice Home Senate Division, the Royal Court, uh, over in London in 2012. It would not send John Sullivan back to uh, America because they were afraid he would wind up in Minnesota and that's also accepted for their program. This was a violation of human rights of indeterminate recognized and not treatment. in some place where you treat someone and release them for a mental right. illness. Treat them and reintegrate the person at least some point. If I'm here talking to you like I'm talking to you now, I have my full faculty mm. and I'm flowing I know it's going. I don't sound mentally ill to myself. I don't no, you sound great, actually. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, I'd hi- I would hire you. And uh, I, I got a here, I'm grant that are more attached to America, so a religious organization here with civic responsibility to the younger guy, like kind of a, a brand that makes up and don't say a civic responsibility, getting license, voting, being citizens, character, what I'm working on here now. Well, better myself. And uh, let me let me say this piece too, all I have here. I was just thinking about um, the most costly form of punishment being taken away from society, the money that are needed to educate the youth for better schooling, health care system, and a infrastructure highway, they're spending it here, wasting money, taxpayer dollars for what we might do in the future. And in this area here, um, nickel, iron ore, and gold mines. This area up here, the gold mine for of those mandated reporters that are willing to turn a blind eye on the fact that this reveals it. But this is ridiculous. Oh, wow. Um, any questions? Uh, well, okay, I cover. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I would like to know what, like, I mean, for all the crazy that you have to do. What, what's keeping your spirit so high? So, for that doing the right thing, and um, I'm not Stockholm syndrome. I didn't buy into that. <laughs> I, I don't empathize with my. I'm advocating for myself, and I do it at a disadvantage. And that was my first time. I know I'm correct, and I know I'm doing the things I need to do to atone. And with that, I feel you know, my complacence comes from. I know I have a home for my past. So, that's you need me to call back? Are we good? Or I can't. No, if you have more you want to say, you can call back. Get more. Make about five more minutes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'll call you right back. Yes, sir. Bye. I like that guy. I like him. Wow. Elements of it are traumatic situation which they've called for me that isolates isolating me from my family and taking me out of my demographic Minneapolis you know the inner city 
and bring me up into these woods up here. I have nobody I can contact any religious organizations, civil organizations. These phones are monitored. We can't call straight through. We don't have local news. So I can't live vicariously through the news and contact and meet people. So I'm isolated. Then they indoctrinate me and make me think. Um, I told the staff here they have 1,000 by proxy. And they're like, whoa, Robert, what do you think? You know what you're saying? Sure I do. And so do you. What I'm saying is that you are have an illness. If your illness is grief, you want money. And you need it to look like I'm mentally ill. You need me to be in contact with you like you're working with me. I'm capable of learning on my own and obtaining information on my own, controlling myself. And I'm not going to play games, play this uh, melody, this uh, melee with you. And then, if, if I seem like I'm indoctrinated, I play pretend normal, they don't reward me. And that's what the privilege is care levels, they give accolades, not community meetings. So, no, I'm not subscribed to that. You're not going to do me that way. So, I'm not a favorable person. But what I have done is I've done the whole program. Done everything I need to do. Done all the testing. And my number here, if anybody listens later, that would like to contact me, and I go a little deeper, it's 218 Nine zero zero, and my voice box number is nine one three nine. Leave a message for me, and then I uh, call her ID, get the number, get the message, call back, write, correspond. I can send uh, informational packages about myself, about the program. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I think that's about it. And like I was saying about this program, uh, they just do a lot of you can't taste Listen, do you want to, I know that you gave, um, if you want to say any last words to anyone specific, uh, anything you want to do, man, like you can take advantage of this time. affiliated 
forensic psychologist in, and then they go through the SAPROM scores and the dynamic risk scores, uh, static risk scores, all these actuarial tools. And that person deems that I've reached maximum treatment benefit here, then I qualify for a lesser restrictive alternative. But right now, I'll die. Steps up and say, well, hey, we'll do this pro bono, or we'll do this at a, maybe a, a cut rate for this guy here. You know, uh, other than that, I'll, I'll die here. And I haven't even had discipline really in like three years. I haven't even been in trouble. I, I try to be a good person. Mm. And I've been trying to uh, appeal to anybody in society that could help me and be an advocate to me with housing, with jobs, because I could put together a relapse on super provisional uh, discharge plan that people can't just pull apart very easily if I have housing, if I have a church or after backing me, if I have someone willing to employ me because I'm a welder, if I have someone who is uh, interested, a uh, clinical psychologist or someone that's a therapist wanting to interact with the correspond with the community advocacy, these are the things that we need to address and dismantle this program this outside intervention, people keeping an eye on this place because without society keeping an eye on it, these people are rolling around they're not accountable and they're just um, duping society. They're getting free money for nothing. And uh, yeah, I was really excited to make this call today. Well, I'm glad that you did. It feels like, well, yeah, it feels like without this, don't go there and die. So, yeah, I hope that possibly we have another podcast like this and probably hook up and do this again. Yeah, you guys are always, listen, I'm here to support you all any way I can. And this if this is the one way I get to do it, then so be it. I am, uh, you do a great job in representing this cause. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, you're another one, I another person I'm rooting for because I believe that once you get outside of those walls, you're going to do great things uh, for the world, man. You really are. Yeah. Thank you very much. And appreciate it. And that goes for you, too. If you would like to, you know, leave me a message up there, anybody, anytime, uh, 218-351-1900. I second 9-1339. That was my day. Somebody in the correspond, make a friend. Cut everybody off from even family is like that they're giving up and I'm like, wow. <laughs> so, well, I'm still trying. You can keep my number as well. And if you ever just need to talk, uh, don't don't hesitate to reach out. I mean, I'm not always available, but I, I will always, you know, if, if I'm available and the phone rings, I will answer it, especially from this number, because I I get the, I get calls from there all the time. So if you ever need to chat, don't don't hesitate to reach out, man. God bless you, bro. Is anyone else calling? Do you know? Yeah, All right. Bye bye. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate you. You too. We'll be right back. Hello, this is a prepaid debit call from 
a client in the most likely secure treatment facility. Calls are subject to monitoring and may be recorded. Your call will now be connected. Thank you for using GTL. Hello? Hi. Who am I speaking with? Hi, this is Joshua. Welcome. Uh, the floor is yours. Say hi to whoever you want. Share whatever's on your heart. I didn't say anything. Well, I can imagine, man. I I can't. I, you know, I yeah. I are you? Can you talk about like what visitation is like? What's it been like not having real like human contact as far as because from what I understand, you know, you're hugging and things like that are not exactly allowed. So, I mean, as a human being, we want to hold hands. We want to hug. We want to, you know, like, what is that like not being able to do? Uh, displayed that 
things are going to be different that they just don't want to let you do it to that point. But um, I, yeah, it's difficult, and I, like I said, I, I try differently not to think about it too much. Yeah, I can understand why. And I, I apologize if I, you know, me asking that brings up anything for you. I, I just was genuinely yeah, curious. Oh, no, it's, it's, a, it's a sad reality that I'm bringing to the forefront. And if, if it helps, I can do more power to it. But, um, you know, my biggest thing is, is just getting back to my family and my kids and uh, uh, back to society. Yeah. So, as far as the go, I just... No, I've just never asked that question before, and I was curious because I, you know, I, after all of this, you know, the last two days have been two hours each day, and everything I, you know, have been hearing, I just, I, I wanted to li literally reach the phone and give all y'all a hug. And then you talking just made me, you know, like, I, I don't know, I just felt I had to ask that question because that, Wow, yeah, it's just like the things that we take for granted on the outside is is it's adding up pretty quickly right now. <laughs> so, I appreciate you saying it and for the for your sentiment. Um, but yeah, this is just, um, I just hear this. We're we're like high priced farm animals, and uh, oh, and they get money off of us. Um, to the point, to your point, it's, uh, I'll bring this up first. There's a thing where I support people that can't do any hockey horns in the parking lot of this facility. And it just, you know, it was like maybe 12, 12 to 15 yards that were describing doing the hockey horn. And just the force of, as you know, you're there and the cinema. They kind of locked the facility down and made it like they closed the yards and made us all come inside. And we could still hear the hockey, and they suggested people not just start too. But then a week later, they're biased because we're, we think that we're still actively being criminals. But they said, well, whoever you guys support them are actively criminals. So then they put concrete barriers up thinking that our family members were going to ram the gates to get us out of here. That's how they think. And, it, and it's frustrating because no one talked like that, but people. Wow. So just to get an idea of how we're to be uh, trusted or how we're looked at, it's, it's, um, it's frustrating because they think that we're the same as we were 20 years ago when this event happened. Yeah. And that's, not, that's not the case. And they're holding us because of that. And it's, what they don't want to recognize is that was a behavior. That's not who I am. And they making it like this is who you are. And kind to convince them not think of us like that is near impossible. Wow. Wow, man. How do you keep your spirits up? Like what what keeps you what keeps you going? Oh God, I know that there's, <laughs> there's something better for me. And there's something better for me in, in the line waiting and I had to go through this because I wasn't listening to them before. When I got out of prison, I married this lady beautiful lady from me and we had two kids together. And um, I, we weren't living paycheck to paycheck in a nice neighborhood. I had bought a car, bought her a car. I had, we had three cars and for two people. And well, I was doing very well. And then I got that for granted. And I just, I hate that I ignored what I was supposed to be doing out there. 
to begin with. So then this is a brother. I look at it like a punishment because it's like, I was I wasn't hurting anything, and I just I'm an idiot for being in this position. Uh, so I just look at like there's there's better for me out there to come, and this this won't be the end as far as I look at that. And I pray and I meditate daily, mm. uh, and think about what I want to do out there opposed to what I'm doing here now. Yeah. Oh man, I love that. That's that is ins- that's probably the most inspiring thing I've heard in the last two days. I love that. That works for me. And like I said, I'm, I'm really blessed by to have the support that I have. Uh, my church and my mom and my family is just—I'm uh, truly blessed, and I, I'm grateful that I still have that after all these many years and after the my criminal behavior that I have this. So. Um, it is very, it's very helpful to know that, and it just—I'm more inspired than that. Well, man, that's encouraging. I, God bless you, man. I really just God bless you, and I, I, ever I'm rooting for you too. I, I've said that <laughs> in almost every call so far, but I mean, I'm just blown away with your character, your resolve, and the fact just your spirit is is so strong in such a dire situation. I God bless you, man. Thank you, my brother. I'm going to look at getting this type of next time. It's like these are just the lowest of the lowest. And it's unfortunate because you get a drug dealer that can be just as to society as people that can take this. Yeah. My public, but guys that are, nobody ever brought a gun to my school. Never. I don't, I've never even seen a knife at my school. But now they bring these guns and they just, they're shooting up all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Uh, you look at our, our the former president, who had several effective acts that was brought against them. Steve Ellison had stuff brought against them, like the allegations. Uh, Al Franken, uh, the, uh, one of the senators of Minnesota, had sex brought against them. But again, these, what these, what I, the these people close to to have to behave. It's not who this person really is. Yeah. And and they, for some reason, they don't want to separate them because now they have something to put people down for and just keep them. Now that's why we really can't get the help because oh, there are people that if they say oh, they're sex offenders. Mm. Of there are people that are in a very bad, unfortunate situation. So when we put that label on it, the census, uh, we, we don't care about them. We'll spend hundreds of millions of dollars a year to keep them there. Where that money could be going other, other places. I know when this Moose Lake area flooded, and it was like some years ago, the surrounding area flooded, they brought in sandbags, and a bunch of people filled those sandbags up and then helped help the public. I don't know if that made the news that we did that. No, I don't watch the news. It crap's poison, so I didn't see it. Yeah. I don't like being lied to, man. No. <laughs> they lie all the time. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's your attention for your attention and your willingness to want to help us. It's very unfortunate. We're trying all of the work and everything that we're doing. 
Right. And um, I hope that I hope that this helps some kind of way or another. And um, I hope to meet someone there. I'll be on the restaurant somewhere, or somewhere doing something. But I, it'll be great to have I would like that very much. I would like to meet a lot of you all. For sure, and uh, you, for, you definitely, man. You, uh, you, you, you. I, I've been in a pretty crappy mood all the last two days, and uh, talking to you really lift my spirits a lot too. So I, I want you to know that it's not just me that you're going to have an impact on out here. It's going to be many, many other people. God bless you, man. Thank you. You too. Bye. I like him too. I know I keep saying that, <laughs> but I do. <laughs> Talking, I mean, like you just never know that some of these guys have been accused of just awful crimes. Oh, it's it's awful to be falsely accused of something. It's so awful. I don't know what's worse though, being falsely accused or serving your time that you were given be free man for a couple years and then get thrown back into prison for doing nothing. I don't know what would be worse. We got another call. Hello, this is a prepaid debit call from are subject to monitoring and may be recorded. Your call will now be connected. Thank you for using ETL. Hey. Hi, Terrence. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Very good. Very good. I'm uh, looking for Josh. Uh, you're talking to him, and we are recording. So, this I know you have a limited time, but you have like you're welcome to say hi to anyone you want. And uh, and honestly, share anything you want. The floor is yours. Thank everybody out there that's uh, working on our behalf, trying to uh, get this place shut down or get something done to where we can get home to our family. I want to appreciate all your work that you do. And uh, I'd like to go on to talk about how uh, destructive this program has been to get to men of color, if that's okay. Please do it, man. Okay, so I I came into the program back in uh, 2000, uh, I think, you know, I was I started in the sister program. It's like right across the parking lot of this place. Uh, it's shut down now, but that's because of a uh, bunch of people with this place. But when I got there, uh, I seen a lot of disparities with the races, and I got to asking a lot of questions. And at one point, uh, the therapist whose case I was on called us, had a community meeting and told us men of color that uh, the program was white favored. You know, I kept, I had been asking those questions. I had been seeing the signs and finally they broke down and told us that it is. Uh, and they finally, they also told us that there's nothing we could do about it. And if we didn't like it, we could find out. Jeez. So 
And while I was working in the program, I was in almost, I was almost like phase three. I was doing phase work, getting ready to go home, but something seems happening and I wound up here. Now I'm in the commitment side. And as soon as I got here, so right away, uh, they did my assessment and they made me start off from the very beginning. They told me none of that counted next door and they started me from zero. So and they just, it took me five years to get from phase one to phase two. Well, I watched all these guys come in behind me. Some of them got to go, got to go on home, make sure whatever commitment they went home. But some of them, most of them, just went like within a year they were doomed or the next thing you know they're in phase two. And it took me forever to get here. And I, I started to wonder what that was about it because I continued to ask questions about this racial disparity. Why is it guys to do the exact same thing, but he has all these consequences and he has, he has virtually none? I could not understand it. So I moved from one unit to the next unit and it's the same things are happening. I get over here, uh, 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 I was in a core group and my supporters had dropped. You know, the, 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 the reasoning was that the, the director of the program or director of that unit, the clinical director of that unit said that my scores were too high. Even though the therapist case I was on was in their scoring tool. Score my, to make my scores for my my, uh, my monthly uh, or quarterly, to scatter, drop my scores down to, you know, the below level. And it took me like, get them back up to where where they are now and then they're still not the best you know i'm, I'm in this unit still asking questions why the disparities why i get a a, a ber for having an extra pillowcase that i didn't even know i had and it put, takes me six months to get back up to where you'll even put me down for a polygraph and, and i'm asking these questions today they just give me no end I, I see these guys in here, and I'm in here too. I try to stay out of trouble, but I see guys that get trouble, and, and it's just hard to just hard to see them. One guy gets all of this stuff happening, good things happen, and the other guy gets nothing. I was, I, I know for a fact that I'm in here with a guy that he has been in treatment. He's been in here say ten years. He hasn't been in treatment in say five of them. So finally, he goes to treatment, and he he goes from phase one to phase two in six months. So I go to my core group, but I'm asking questions like, how is that possible? And the only thing I see different between him and I is he was white and I was black. The only thing. I've been in programs this whole time, and I've been here seven years now, this entire time. Why am I not progressing? Why am I looking around and seeing these uh, white people move forward, it seems like. And I don't, it's not a racist guy or anything, it's just, just something's wrong with this. Here, something's wrong with this place, uh, and, and I and I can't get any straight answers. The therapist, I see who they interact with, and uh, and, and I'm not the only one. There's a bit of color in here. Sometimes we have these little discussions, and we wonder why it seems like we're, we're being overlooked. We wonder why it seems like all the attention is going to what that don't look like us. We seem to be like pushed on the back burner. There is a total pole here. There is a hierarchy here, and. One thing we do know, we all of men of color do agree on is that we're at the bottom. You'll see these guys moving forward, guys going down south, you know, preparing to go home, and I'm, we still sit here. And it's just, we just sit and rock. I know there's only uh, 
make up like 12% of the population in this place. But it's just like we're the ones that's not moving anywhere. We're just sitting. I'm just sitting. I've been ready to, to take like my polygraph that'll send me down so that I can hopefully get down south and start moving towards uh, meeting release or whatever. But nobody says anything. Nobody's telling me anything. I'm just sitting here. Going to the group day after day. And if I ask questions, the therapist, she just nods his head. You don't give me any explanation for anything. Um, but the Lord's therapist is also is serving to know that it's like we're the only culture that don't have religious practices here. What is that about? You got the Wiccans and Jewish people, you got everybody else got their religious time. We have nothing. What, uh, what is your religion? I'm a Moorish American. Okay. We don't have any Moorish service. Now, when I was in the prison across the street over there, we had Moorish service. In every other prison I've ever been in, there's Moorish service. But here, they're giving me to run around, uh, giving us to run around about why it's not being allowed. And uh, none of it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. All I know is when I approach one of the uh, people down in uh, the, the religious library or the religious area, uh, the young lady said something about some guy that tried to get it before that uh, came across as crazy or whatever. So that was a character judgment in itself. But anyway, the point is, they're not doing any, they're not helping with or working with us in any way, shape, or form. But he said something like that. You know, and, and I thought the religion was at least the right, you know. Uh, and it's just, again, the same everybody else has theirs. We got nothing. And all these other guys moving forward. And me and my people just sit here and rock. Be uh, particular. You know, I'm in a core group and I explain these things to the therapist. You know, I'm, you know, uh, that I'm culturally sensitive and things like that. And it's just, it, I just don't understand it. It's just, don't, don't therapists that look like me. You know, there's one. He's from Africa, though. I'm African American. So, Morris American. It, it's like, there's nobody here that looks like me, so there's nobody that can really relate to me. I'm urban, you know, so, and I'm up here dealing with people from the country. You know, a lot of them from the Iron Range, and racism is, like, really high in the Iron Range. So, go up to a desk, go up to the, the desk, and there's five white guards sitting there. Then you got three white inmates sitting there, having talk, chopping it up with them. And if I'll go to get something, maybe, uh, take a piece of paper or something up there that I need maybe to run through the printer or something. I get the dirty looks. I get the this and I get the that. It's to the point where I won't even go to the desk anymore. I don't even go up there. I, if I need an envelope or something, I just write it by hand. If I need something copied, I, I, I wait to uh, or have to send somebody up or sell somebody else up there. I won't even go up there. That's how uh, 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 tough it is. That's how uh, miserable it is going and trying to interact with people. It's, it's, um, never, they're so blatant with their uh, 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 I call it racism I call it their bigotry they're so blatant with it that it's disrespectful so I try not to even interact with any of the, the teams because they're all white I try not to interact with any of the staff that's because they're all white I mean everybody's white <laughs> you know and for the brothers running around here and they just dog up so bad. And I ain't saying it. I'm a hate lady or nothing like that. I'm not saying that. At all. <laughs> I'm just saying. But what I am saying is, uh, is uh, Jim Crow is a lie. 
I'm saying racism is a lie. I'm saying bigotry is a lie. I'm saying it is it is systemic and it it permeates this place. It reeks in this place. And if you try to bring it to their attention and try and be, try them to become culturally sensitive, they blame it on me. They're trying to tell me I'm seeing little green men from Mars or that it's something wrong in my head or Jeez. And then that's and it's, and it's disrespectful. But, you know, I'm a, a, I'm a 55 year old man, and I've, I've seen a lot. You know, I've done a lot. My parents were both born in the 30s, so they've been through a lot. Yeah. They've seen a lot. They've seen a lot. So when I try to bring up, try to bring them up on culturally sensitive issues, I read a lot of cultural books about those types of things, or spiritual books about those, and I can't get them to understand or sympathize whatsoever with the plight of the black men in this country or in, in how it relates to what's going on in this particular they just don't want to hear it they just don't want to hear it uh, and it's disrespectful I, I mean I wish they were somewhere down near the city that they could send me or, or, so, it's, just, it's just so you got to understand how uh, uh, disheartening it is to uh and how uh, hopeless I feel being in the situation where I don't believe there's anybody in here uh, on the staff that cares whether I get back home to my family that has any uh, empathy or sympathy at all for my situation. Um, I did 128 months in prison, and after that, I got sent here. Mm. And seven of those years, prison I spent in their program, their system program, to this program. And I went there, here. And when I got here, I started, they started me over. I've been here seven years now. I don't have an outdate and I don't have anybody that's willing to help me get home. So I've made all these changes and I don't have anybody that's willing to even listen. I go to this uh, 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 SRB panel you know, and not only is it difficult to look on the television screen with these eight different boxes and these eight different faces, and they're all white. But, you know, they're all powerful white people, and they look at me, the poor black man, and I'm expecting some type of, of relief from these people is impossible. And you know what I get? Nothing. I get absolutely nothing. They tell me, go back to the drawing board. Every time I've been to this SRB thing uh, uh, twice now, and they just keep telling me that you need this, 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 this. Go back the next time, they give me a whole other list of things that I need to do. So I've completed those, and now I'm expecting China to go back again. I have, I put, I applied a year ago and I haven't heard a thing. So I'm trying to get back to them, and I already know. I'm already, when I go there, they're just going to give me another list of things to do and send me right back in this place for another seven years. And it's, 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 uh, it's heartening because my family is. My brothers are dying off. My mom died. My dad's dying. My family's dying off, and I'm sitting here for no good reason. I've done their thing. I did their time. I, I did everything they they've asked me to do. Everything, and they won't even give me the time of day. You got therapists riding through here, staff. They won't even give you the time of day. And the way they look at you, you know what it's about. You know what it's about. Because it's the white guy or the other guy. Right next to you, ask the same question, or approach them in the same manner, and their whole manner is changed. But when they turn, when they turn and look for me, it's just it's a totally different thing, and then it's hard, and it hurts. 
it hurts. It hurts to feel, to, to know that I'm in what could be potentially the greatest country on the planet and still be treated like a second-class citizen. The fact that I had a t-shirt made by a guy that says second-class citizen across the top. And it's like a you have one minute remaining. Hey, I want you to spend this last minute. I want you to tell people how important your culture is to you because there's a lot of people that just don't don't and won't understand without hearing it can you share why your culture is important to you uh, we're strong people and uh we help build it yes you did we have a we have a stake in this country because we helped build it and most of us like myself and my parents were born here so we're naturalized uh american citizens so we we have a right to be here so and i just think that it's grow and uh, uh, I think I want to say that I believe we're all connected. Yes. You know, black, white, purple, we're all connected by fans and we each other. We're all one people. Human race is one people. And I think that if we could all just stand together and trust one another and really love on one another, I think this country and it will continue. Thank you for using GTL. Ah, that coming. Well, I, I, that may be it. He, uh, in that reference that he was making about building this country, um, they built our cities, African-Americans. Of course, you know, people from all over the world uh, and a lot of cultures did, but African-Americans helped build the cities uh, here in Minneapolis, uh, which is one of the coolest cities ever. San Diego, Chicago, Philadelphia, New York, when you learn about gentrification and redlining, um, uh, there's another one I'm forgetting about, Ted Gummit. Um, but I mean, like, they, they just, they, they legitimately have been screwed, African-Americans. And I, I know that it's, you know, some people say, well, get over it. You know, racism's dead. I mean, look, I'm, I'm sure the racism is nothing like what it used to be, but the freaking, the president of this country is a racist. Like, and it's, uh, you know, I don't know why people just forget all the things he said about African-Americans, but whatever. I mean, yeah, do you. But the fact is that, you know, I know that a lot of people a lot of African-Americans have become very successful in this country and, you know, that's that's a thing. And, I, and I'm not talking about the athletes because, I mean, to be honest with you, I look at that as a form of slavery. I think that all of us are in a slavery system, financial system, there is slavery, this financial system we have. And yes, of course, there, you know, people can make it and there's people that can do very well. Uh, there's opportunities, but there's, you know, the game is rigged against certain people and uh, certain demographics, and it's it's messed up. And racism racism is not dead in this country at all. It's not even close to dead. Is it better? Sure. It's also changed. But one thing that is not discussed enough, and I've heard someone say make a comment about Trump. 
And I'm not a Trump fan, never will be a Trump fan, but the fact is that Trump has done more for black people than this president has. He Trump did more for black people than Obama did. And that's a fact. Now, again, I'm not a Trump fan, not even close. I don't like any of these people <laughs> that are in office. Uh, and I won't, I won't be a fan. I'm ready to see some change. And uh, wow, we've got another call. Hello, this is a prepaid debit call from... Calls are subject to monitoring and may be recorded. Your call will now be connected. Thank you for using GTL. Hello. Hi, this is Joshua. How is it? Who are you? My name is Randall. Nice to meet you, sir. Nice to meet you. I'm at the forum for uh, uh, broadcasting or something. Yes, sir. Uh, we're recording now, and uh, this is an opportunity for you to share anything and everything on your heart. You can say hello to anyone you want to say hi to. Uh, honestly, the mic is yours, my man. Well, uh, well, I'll say hi to the world. Mostly, I want to talk about the uh, uh, MSO. Uh, the MSOP is the Minnesota Sex Offender uh, Program, and what it really is is a Minnesota Sex Offender Prison. Uh, it's a second, uh, a second bite out of the apple for uh, what society is the most despicable, uh, disdainful of human beings. They have already passed us, right? Yeah. Have done hit crime uh, in their history, and they have served their time, uh, and they come out and they're trying to get back into the community, into the their best. And they come here, and uh, the hope is that this place is going to provide some kind of therapy, vocation, uh, and get them back into the community. Uh, but none of that happens. Uh, what they secure the house and create uh, uh, from uh, uh, out of out of nowhere, out of out of air, and say that this is treatment. But the treatment uh, that they have, the matrix that they have, is recognized by no psychological uh, 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 school uh, in America, and it's success rate is non-existent. So you have a, a place that says they want to help uh, get back into the community, but it's going to take them 30 years and they base their uh, diagnosis of you on uh, things that happened 20 years ago. So it's like someone who was diagnosed with cancer 20 years ago and they went and got the, uh, you know, whatever that uh, uh, therapy is for cancer. And it works. And then 20 years later, the doctor comes back and says, we're gonna do again for cancer. But you don't have any symptoms of, of cancer. The cancer is gone. But it doesn't really matter. You had it way back then, and so we're gonna base our diagnosis on things that are happening way back then. And the only way that you Get out of it if you can prove what that you will never commit another crime in the future. So it's more like a cult. It's 
it's as if they uh, don't want anyone ever to get out. And I believe that uh, Governor Pelosi said that on his watch. He would never get out on his watch. And it's understandable. No one likes a sex offender. And sex offenders have been denied uh, by the media, uh, by neighborhoods, uh, by uh, advocates for uh, victims. And even have the same uh, for ourselves. It's not like we love ourselves because being a sex offender or having this great sex offender associated with your name doesn't give you a, a lot of room to have self esteem. Everything I sign in this place has the word sex offender on it. Mm. Sex offender is known throughout America to be the worst that exists. So if I am constantly calling myself and having to call myself a sex offender, how can I ever be conditioned to be human or still human or act human? And even if these are things that I want, um, a lot of the men here have never been convicted of sex crime. They had issues as juveniles. They were never uh, uh, an adult offender. They've been here 22, 23 years at uh, you know, $500 a day just to be housed. And while they were here, committed no crime. They've attacked no uh, staff members. They have exhibited nothing that suggests that they are out of control with whatever diagnosis they were claiming to have. So I'm thinking that if the right people looked at this place, they would know something is wrong. There's a scan here. Yeah. There are places out in uh, the community that can actually help people get to a point where they can live uh, and navigate uh, uh, their lives in a community. If you get out of the penitentiary with a sex crime, your life is going to be different, period. You're going to have to live a different life. You're going to have to find a different way home from work if it's going past the school. That's how your life is going. What happens after death the life for you? And I get that. This place does not really concern itself with that. Their concern is more with what can we deny him? First Amendment rights are denied often. Religious rights are denied often here. Uh, gender bias uh, absolutely uh, uh, perpetrated uh, here. These men are not treated like compliant. Uh, they're treated like prisoners. They say that this is a treatment center, but if you walk here and just use your eyes, you have to say this is a prison. But they don't say uh, it's prison. They say, don't listen or see with your eyes. Listen to what we're telling you. Who's going to believe you? Us or your lying eye? What I'm asking the public to do is stop not hearing and what the truth is. They're wasting your money. Uh, it's $115 million a year to run this place. Five uh, uh, million of that goes towards uh, 
a, a employee. And the employee have no separate I mean, if you were taking a pill to solve uh, a problem, and the pill didn't do anything for you, or but gives you headaches, uh, I assume that you stop taking that pill and try something else. Don't do that. The same thing over and over and over again. There's a condition that is known as uh, treatment fatigue. What happens is that uh, a person does the same thing over and over and over again after a while, if they become numb to it, it's no longer worth it. Like, uh, if you say to your wife, I love you, but you're gone. Then you come back and say, I love you, but you're gone again. And this is the fourth thing. After a while, the word I love you is nothing to them. But I know I have nothing to do with really. Wow. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. So, so uh, uh, they have a lot of lost. Uh, against the uh, the one you know, there's some there's a senator Senator Sandy of course who's uh, looking into this there's a uh, the uh, Department of uh, Justice who's coming in and taking a look at this place every expert who is coming here has said that these people are in but they are still they are still running why do you think that is why do you think that this place of running the way it is without scrutiny. Because only one real reason. Because if this was a school with the school in it, everybody would be in an uproar. Yeah. If it were a place with your family members in it, your elderly in it, they would be in an uproar. But who wants to step forward for a sex offense? Benson 
retired recently. Went to, I think Atlanta City, Atlantic City, City, and he bought the casino. The water, so it's dangerous, you know, before you see the casino. Somehow, something can happen to this, and people are making money on it. And no one cares because people who are in, in, in line in this place are considered the worst that exists, but it used to be to them. I'd say 80% of the people here can function on the street. I'm pretty sure that 70%, 60% of them are. Uh, uh, never come back to a place like this because of what they're experiencing here now. There's a man uh, here, I can't say his name because I don't want to uh, embarrass him or anything, but he's 86 years old. He's a doctor. He uh, uh, actually gets up, goes up the stairs, runs around, uh, trying to maintain a system of walk from the phone to the, uh, to the microwave. That's about 50 yards. Mm. Like under the uh, recidivist rate, will not commit another crime ever. They're gonna let them die either. And they don't want me to say that. And they don't want to, uh, to have you hear that. They don't want pictures of the wounds that they have where they let you die, but that's what happens. They'd rather have you die in that room than die with your family. One uh, therapist said, um, he said, why don't you let them go home? Well, I don't know if you feel capable of a crime. Died, I think, 60 days later. In bed, unconscious almost, when you said that no longer works here, but there's been an, in, uh, 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 an exiting lately of a lot of people that uh, for whatever reason. What I'm his son did nothing change. Nothing for the worst uh, of society. Did nothing change. You know, you become a part of the problem. And then when it's not so effective, you with your neighborhood when it moves down uh, into your neighborhood. And, 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 and you can't stop it because of the momentum is so. so I don't know. You have one minute remaining. So fast now, because no one has stepped forward. Then whose fault is it? The men who have served their time were promised an opportunity to be a part of their community if they rehabilitated themselves. They did in prison. None of these men were told in the prison, uh, in the courtroom. They were uh, mentally ill and had any mental disability, so they could go to court and fight their case without that being an uh, 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 expense for them. And then, 20 years later, all of a sudden, it's a part of their uh, 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 way of committing people, especially uh, minorities, uh, the gay community. African American, Native American. So, Mike. Thank you for using GTL. Ah. Oh. Huh.
don't like it when it abruptly cuts off like that. Oh. Well, I don't think there's any more people calling. I've had no idea. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe someone will, but um, I didn't even know this many were going to call. That said, I'm grateful for all the people who did call and shared what's on their heart. And I want to thank you for listening. It's been, well, not quite three hours, but um, getting there. Thank you for listening. Um, I would appreciate if you prayed for the people that are locked up and their families because their families, um, the families need prayer as much as they do, the, the guys that are locked up. And um, God's not easy, it can't be easy for them. There's a lot of people going through things right now. <laughs> It'd be kind of interesting if they were actually safer there than we are on the outside, but that's probably not true. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening and uh, thank you for sharing and thank you for praying for them. God bless you all. Bye-bye.